Hey listeners, thanks for tuning into our podcast, but we know you may have an idea for your own podcast and that's why we are recommending you go get Anchor. Mm-hmm. You can create your own podcast and then like maybe have us on as guests. You should definitely have us on. For oh, we're, we're, I just checked our calendar. We're busy, Ooh. Oh, but we're available on this day. We can pencil okay, we'll you be, in. Yeah, yeah, yeah we're we in. can do it. Okay, we, we it. said yes. Forget it. I don't like your ideas. <laughs> um, <laughs> Anchor is the system we use and it's got a lot of cool tools. You can actually, it's kind of a one-stop shop place where you can go, you can record, edit everything, even implement songs from Spotify into your podcast. Mm-hmm. And what I like about it the most, to be honest, is that it makes us money and I love money. And it also is free, which is kind of like, you know, you save money. It's like I think that's the biggest money. thing is like it's free. So you don't have to worry about like paying any kind of fee or signing up for thing. And they do everything for you. So... You can go there. They will distribute your podcast for you so you can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all the other places your family are going to ignore you on. So uh, it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started for free. Mm-hmm. Did we mention it's free? Free and you make money. You're going to make money. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe. Your family will ignore you. That's we're, true. It cuts to the core. We're not, we're not going to be on your podcast. Come on kids now gather round Grab a log and sit right down What's that smell? What's that sound? You're on fire now hit the ground It's the campfire shit show And now your camp counselors Bo Hufford and Mero Climo Hey Hey, how are you? So good. I don't want to waste any time this week because we've got a long interview and we've got a guest and mm-hmm. we loved her. Mm-hmm. We're going I mean, to love her. I mean, her. we're going to love her. Yeah, yeah. Guys, we don't want to fuck with you. The truth <laughs> is, is like we record with them and then after we do the, the intro, the outro. But yes. like, let's just like now that we've said that because we want to be honest mm-hmm. and transparent. Let's act like we're about to go into the sleeping bag with somebody we've never met. No, this will be my first time meeting her I, in I real life. I can't even understand what it will be like because I've never met her. <laughs> you haven't. At all. I've just met her at the lunch club feature. That's right. Where it matches you with really cool people. And I've talked about her before a few weeks ago. You guys know her, Chloe. I'm really stoked to go into the sleeping bag with our friend Chloe, who is a filmmaker mm-hmm. and a storyteller and just an all-around pretty rad person she is a pretty rad person i really liked her project all american sex offender she's like yeah. the writer producer director actress and all that kind of stuff so i thought it would be very good for her to join us today and talk maybe about some of that that yeah. film stuff yeah and the behind the scenes mm-hmm. so let's do it without any more should she direct us into the sleeping bag like i know that maybe okay. we invite her in well, and how do we do that how? we just say you're chloe can you like come in can you direct us into the sleeping bag and with then yourself? she'll say what she said, okay, she, then she gets it, and then she's like the actress, producer, and director of The Sleeping Bag. I see, I see. And yeah. so so uh, then how do we get in The Sleeping Bag? Because we're waiting for her to say oh, something, right? We just, um, she's on her way, and we just unzip it now. Oh. And she'll join us. That just sounds like you're directing, her directing, us directing. I'm actually like the producer of this, too. Oh. Yeah, so I'm hiring her as So what am I? Um, a bit role? Bit player? Bit player. Yeah. Background? Oh, actually, sorry, a key grip? Key grip. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry, assistant to the key grip. Oh. <laughs> Let's just go into the sleeping bag with our good friend, Chloe Lenahan. <laughs> She's eating it. She's like, do I chew it? Oh, my earrings are hurting me. I'm 
We'll share the video, guys. Um, okay, I know how to. I want to start. This. You do I have, know. I have a question oh, for oh, Chloe. Please. Okay, it's very um, important, but I want to know, and I'm maybe a little bit jealous. How are your other lunch club dates going? Because I told so people know that we gave them the backstory that okay. when yeah. I met on lunch club, your bio is extremely impressive. Which we actually in read your bio we, on on the episode. Oh wow! Yeah, and and then we read Merrill's, which was just like I like cheese and, <laughs> and <wow."> matzo ball soup. <laughs> yeah, yeah matzo balls. And I was like, how did this person follow through with the meeting? Yeah, well, I think I actually immediately responded to yours saying that. I'm a huge fan of cheese and matzo ball soup too. <laughs> you did, so you did. This is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Oh, oh my, my gosh, gosh, I want to cry. Yeah, I think my matches were you and then someone that was like a, a Harvard grad who's into brain health and I'm like, <laughs> delete. <laughs> so so how has the site been going for you? You know, uh, Lunch Club was great. I've met some really cool people on it, but I haven't done it in a couple of weeks. I think maybe... Ours was one of my last ones. Oh my gosh, you were my last. Yeah, I was like, I met perfect. I'm done. Oh my God. I'm sure that's not the way. It was more like, uh, there's a lot of crazy fucks on here. I'm done. (laughs) You're like, this isn't the site for me. No, I sometimes like, I get tunnel vision on things and I get like really intense when I do stuff. So I'm I'm a sprinter. Like as an athlete growing up, I was a competitive swimmer and I was like a total sprinter and Mm. and I'm sort of like that in life too. So I go all in for a very short period Mm. and then I like burn out. Yeah. to like take a break and not do anything and I did that on lunch club where I was like signing up and having like three meetings in one week and it was just like boom 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 and and then I kind of hit my burnout so I totally get that so this I know I do too actually. yeah we all do plus I've dated you a hundred times I'm sure <laughs> like they're all in and it's like <laughs> I'm sure we'll talk about this too but something that like I'm always plagued with and Bo too is that we like work so hard on projects and then by the time they come out it's like I'm burnt out of even promoting it or doing it and yeah. so then it's like it seems to outside people maybe that it's like flaky and no follow through but really it's like oh no my follow through was like birthing this to the world yeah. and then, which is actually on and, and a perfect segue but yeah. that was sort of the birth of All American is it had started as a short film that I did in grad school at the end of my first year at Columbia and it was called Red Dot and then I took that short film and I like rewrote it as a feature and then I took it through revision and wrote it again and then by the end I was like I'm so burnt out on mm, this idea like yeah. I love this character and I love these world this world but mm-hmm. I, I, I need a break from her so I just sort of put it in a drawer and it was years later when a friend came up to me and was like hey have you ever thought about doing Red Dot as a episodic and I was like oh man I'm so burnt out from this and then yeah. we just sort of looked at it through fresh eyes and mm. And that was how the web series w- was born. Mm. Wow. Yeah, that's got to be tough. I think we've talked about it before, but like uh, I, went, I graduated with a photography degree and I'd done so much in photo the last two years of my college that when I got out, I didn't take a photo for like a year. Mm-hmm. I just was like, fuck cameras, fuck everything. <laughs> it must be the same when you work so many hours so hard on something. When it finally comes out as a web series even, are you done with it again? No, or are you? <laughs> <laughs> no, because then you have to do all like the self promotion and the yeah. shameless plugs, and sure. then you have to like kind of try and shop it around and and you know get people to notice it and put but pitch I, decks together. I and, guess are you done mentally with it? Are you just like even though you know like it's like writing a book, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, when you finish writing the book, you're ten percent done. Now you have to promote it. You have to mm-hmm. push it. Is it like that? Where I mean, you did this web series, then you've got to like have freshness in the way that you talk about it. Is that difficult? Um, 
No, I don't, I don't think so. I, okay. I, I think the, the the talking about it is kind of it's the the fun thing is I'm like oh I get to talk about myself and talk ah. about my projects and you know yes and, yeah. And, um, I and, see why you and Marilyn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Where did this idea come up? from i mean because we've already told people to watch it before this episode so we're expecting that they have yeah and if they haven't well they're fucked well if you yeah. haven't then pause yeah <laughs> go watch it yeah it's not six episodes run you 30 minutes then yeah. you can come back circle back to this podcast i love that So, where does this idea come from is this something that really happened to you so it happened to a friend who in college just had a really kind of like a wild night and ended up publicly urinating on her college campus and there were police present and what ended up and she was in Colorado and that's one of the states where first of all public urination is illegal in all 50 states and then there's about 13 states where it can land you on the um on the sex offender registry which is so weird because the two aren't always like i wouldn't think of someone peeing outside of a baseball game as like an actual sex offender right you know right i think well there's certain rules that like if it's in close proximity to where children might be or Mm. schools or parks or things like that Mm. and she um she's this like really pretty girl who kind of looks like a barbie doll and she has a really good (laughs) sense of humor about it and so when she went to trial like the judge was threatening this really punitive charge and of course it ended up getting cleared and everything was fine and she had this funny story to tell at cocktail parties later on and so in my first year um in film school we had this project where you had to team up with a partner and one person had to like write um write a short and the other person had to direct it and then um and it was like this you know very collaborative process Mm -hmm. and so this girl um or this woman in my class she had like pitched this idea because it had happened to her friend and i was like oh my god like i know that i know that woman that that woman is me like this i i i know this story i can direct and i never framed a camera either before this experience so i had to really go in and, and pitch my experience working with actors and and just pitch that like I know the mindset of this woman. Yeah. I worked at a bar where you, like where you dance on the bar. Like I get it, you know. <laughs> yeah. And um. Wait wait wait. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. I'm so sorry. You can't just skip over that. You worked in a bar where you have to dance like like a coyote ugly yeah, kind of I, thing. I, I worked. I worked at this um southern style like barbecue bar restaurant in New York City called Brother Jimmy's. And like during the day, it was sort of like family friendly. And then in the evening, it was like you would have all types come in for dinner, like barbecue and drinks. And then at night, like the lights would go out and the music would start pumping. And then like the ma- the bartenders start throwing napkins all over and and like fists are pumping in the air and then for fun like the servers and bartenders we like jump up on the bar and oh like my gosh. You know, pour drink in people's mouths and it was always a good time then i would wow. like slip, I would slip on a rib <laughs> like, <what is> wow <laughs> so yeah and i know that feeling too where it can get really out of hand and like one weird drinking experience can then domino your whole exactly, life exactly exactly so i kind of like used just my own life experience in, in pitching myself for this project and and then so we did and then the short film had had this nice little festival life and I really like fell in love with with the project and the characters and so I took it over and, and that's when I started workshopping it as a feature and then writing it and developing it kind of like what we were talking about earlier and then put it in the drawer until yeah. it came out again and then um with the web series because so much of my voice had become infused in this character in this world and and there's little anecdotes 
that are sprinkled throughout that are, you know, just stolen from like Dear Diary today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. those sort of moments. And um and my background before being a filmmaker was as an actor. And so I just knew I was like, I'm I, I gotta play this. Mm-hmm. And so we actually did see some other actresses during the audition process because I just kinda wanted to hear it like said right. aloud and, and see how are other people interpreting it. And the the tone of the comedy is it's so specific and um you're so great on camera you're like oh, i mean you're beautiful you. in real life too but you're like i you're really like captivating i think on, oh. on youtube yeah i'd be like because you're beautiful but you're also really likable and you have that kind of like um i don't know just like a, you can relate like relatable well that was like the whole idea is i i just wanted her to be someone who was wholesome and approachable which mm-hmm. i think is like if, if you see me i'm sort of like you're just your average typical all-American girl. <laughs> and so the idea of like, you know, I knocked on your door and said the last thing that you could ever imagine. Yeah. What happens after that? Yeah. That was the whole premise of the joke. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And so we won't give all of it away, but basically, you know, this girl becomes a sex offender and then she finds love. And I love that you um, cast a very, you know, salt and pepper politician type man. (laughs) And then and then it's just the interplay between like trying to tell someone all the skeletons in your closet. And at what point do you tell them? And I think that's really that happens to a lot of us in love where it's like whether or not you're a sex offender you have a secret that you're kind of like waiting to tell this person whether or not you're a sex (laughs) offender this is my time to tell my boyfriend (laughs) (laughs) this is me coming out but we all have stuff that we are like waiting until okay is it the fourth Mm -hmm. date is it like that we're fully in love yeah and that also like makes the best kind of drama is just withholding like those sort of secrets and finding out is this is this going to be the moment how how are they going to respond and yeah it's, it's fun to play with secrets yeah. Oh my gosh. Were you, uh, okay, so I, I did read that you've had your SAG card since 1989. Yeah. Which I was like, this is impossible. <laughs> were you like two or something? How, yeah. <laughs> what were you, uh, like a baby commercial actor or something? So um, what happened was I was seven years old and um, my mom had just given birth to my sister Mm. and a friend of hers had a brother who was an agent with the agency that's now called CESD back then it was just CED Cunningham Scott Topini and she said to my mom you know my brother's an agent and and they use babies all the time would you think about taking the baby in um, after it's born I like how they refer to you just as the the baby baby. oh no no not not me my my, my sister Ah. my sister and so my mom's like oh you know what sure why not why not so my sister was maybe like two months old and my mom brought her into the agency to she, meet with the agent. She brought her into I N to wait I N C E S T. Yeah, brought her. Oh, brought her. Sorry. Oh boy. I had to go. I had to let it out. Otherwise, it would it would be stuck it for like three years. Like I N C E S T. Okay, sorry. So 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 she brought her in, and I tagged along in like my little school uniform. You know, because there's no babysitter or anything. And they said, yeah, we use babies all the time. We, we could totally use babies. And they're like, but what about her? Can we try sending her out? And meaning me. Oh my and gosh. So they sent me out for um, my first audition was for Polio String Cheese. I had no headshot. I didn't know what SAG was. I remember the audition clearly because I spiked the camera so hard that the casting director who was behind one of those giant, giant monitors and those huge cameras that they had yeah. in the 80s, she kept looking at me going like, Look at the cheese. Look at the cheese. <laughs> and I'm just staring at the camera. And for some reason, that must have been charming because they booked me. Wow. Whoa. So the very first audition that I ever went out on, 
I booked. Oh man. I got my SAG card. You got and that the cheese next, money. Yeah. I made that cheese money. <laughs> and then the next like two months I booked like three more commercials. Wow. And I still didn't even have a headshot. Wow. Yeah. So. That's got to, I mean, that kind of success has got to like almost ruin you in the best way where you're like, wow, this is easy. I'm going to be an actor. Well, I, I didn't think about it at first. And then like we were living in New York at the time. We lived in New York for like two years. And that was during this window when we lived in New York and as a child. And then we moved back to LA, which is like where I was born. It's where my mom's from. It's where my family's from. And, and then everything kind of slowed down a mm. little mm-hmm. because I was just another blonde hair, blue eyed little girl in a sea of blonde hair, blue eyed California girls. Next door is like the funnel cake girl. Like yes. you're, you're on a block with every childhood. Totally. Commercial. totally. You're like, fuck this yogurt guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then, you know, I, I graduated from being seven to eight to nine and a little bit older. And, and yeah. for my parents, they were the opposite of stage parents. Like, um, I, I remember I would sometimes go to auditions and like, I would, still be in my school uniform where I didn't have like there was no hairbrush in the car and my hair was just always like a wild (laughs) mess and um and my mom's whole attitude was like well we're just doing this to have fun oh I love that and and I remember there was one time we still talk about it like there were we were in um an audition for I think it was like peanut butter and there was like this mom just like yelling at her kid like you will eat that peanut butter you will like that peanut butter and the kid was like I hate peanut butter and my mom and I were just looking horrified and my mom just sort of turns and she she says to me she's like Chloe let's make me a promise as soon as this stops being fun you stop doing it and um and, you know, when you're a kid, you're like, yeah, of course, pinky swear. And then cut to, I'm you know, like 27, 28, and I'm back in New York, like, and I'm going to acting school and I'm doing the like self-submits and living the, the bohemian starving artist life. And I'm like calling my mom crying on the <laughs> streets. Like, I remember walking down Houston, just being like, everything's so hard. Like, <laughs> what was what was going to Columbia like for film? I could just imagine that. So that was like... I, I loved it. I, I, I just, I fully loved film school, but it was also so, so hard mm-hmm. in terms of the workload. Like yeah. that, that first year, they really try and, and break you just with the amount of work that they give. And I was all in. So I was like, yep, let's do it. Sorry. Trace joking. <laughs> oh boy. What I said. I but I was thinking about going to film school. It's like, <laughs> out of Columbia sorry. Film School. I almost did a spit take. I don't know why. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Well, I think like when I went to undergrad, I went through undergrad and I just, um, I think I took for granted a lot of what like the benefits of school can be like in education and learning mm-hmm. yeah. and I was more concerned about going out for like penny pitcher night at the bar and uh-huh. yeah. you know like but I needed that experience to develop Mackenzie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah it's yep. true right so yeah so I, I spent a, a good amount of my time like socializing mm. and then when I entered film school I was older you know I, I just turned 30 and I was a lot more serious I had a lot of life experience like behind me and under my belt and and I'd been acting for so many years yeah. too that um and I'd always been a writer, but I never shared my writing. And so mm. I had no choice once I started film school, but I had to put my work out there to meet deadlines. Right. And so, and, and also too, because I'd been working for so long that this was the first time I was afforded this luxury of being in this bubble where I could do nothing but create. Right. And nothing but like focus on, on like bringing these stories that I'd had brewing in my head for so many years to life. And, yeah. and I was, I was so committed and so invested in, and I will say I've never worked so hard in my life as, as I did during those like three and a half years, four years I was at Columbia. Um, Do they supply a budget? 
No, no. So that's the thing they don't tell you until day one when you're there and you've already like sent in your tuition uh-huh. checks or, you know, like in my case, like I, you know, took out a huge amount of um, student loans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I thought like, oh yeah, I'm going to have this place and I'm going to pay for my films and all this. And, and no, you actually, you pay for your own films out of pocket. Damn. And that includes exercises too. Like they give you, you know, this little crappy camera to use for your exercises and tell you like, oh, production value doesn't matter. And then during your crits, like people are criticizing your production value. So right, um, so, huh. yeah. But um, Columbia is like the writers' school, is yeah. Like what they call themselves, yeah. And so I just sort of I, I took that to heart, and I was gonna kind of ignore a lot of the production value criticisms and just focus on arc um, beats and and character. And and I took every single little exercise we did extremely seriously. I was, I was, I kind of think I lost a little bit of my sense of humor because I got so mm-hmm. focused. Mm. Um, and like I said, it was that tunnel vision, that sprinter mode that I yeah, had. Yeah. Like I just put that hat on and, and I committed. And I think that's why like red dot had the success that it did is because to me, I wasn't thinking this is an exercise for school. I was thinking, I was like, this is my first film. Yeah. Mm. And I took yeah. it with like that level of, um, like commitment and seriousness that you know allowed it to evolve and allowed it to explore and because I hadn't I did hadn't really um I had nothing to lose so I really went in to the experience with no stakes other than to prove to myself mm. like what I could do as a as a filmmaker and as a creator and so I think that was like a real privilege to not not think about like festivals not think about like what happens with this afterwards it was just like immediately what's in front of me right now this scene that's in front of me and how can I like tell it the best possible way that's such an exciting time right when you're creating just to create the Mm -hmm. best thing that you can do uh that that brings up a important question because I think that sophomore uh thing that we do right you have success in your first thing Mm -hmm. then you have to do the next project where there's pressure now there's expectation. Mm-hmm. How have you have you felt that, and how did you deal with it? If so, well, my next pro- big project that came after that, I was wearing a different hat. So I, you know, I directed Red Dot, but then my next big project was called How Far She Went, and that I wrote and produced. And so I think because I was wearing a different hat, and it was a different type of film, it was like a dramatic thriller if you will um and that had even bigger success actually oh good yeah um and 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 I was able to just completely focus then on that as something new and so every project that I take on has a new set of challenges Mm. and so something that I'm like I haven't done this yet Mm -hmm. so I think because I'm focused on what I haven't done yet and then that's the thing I'm really working towards um towards just doing well I'm not really thinking about the other the other stuff or competing with myself in that regard mm. nice That's so interesting and then mm-hmm. so for all American sex offender you got that subsidized by winning something is that right or yeah so then my my friend from Columbia Alex Cannon he's the um, friend who approached me about writing it as an episodic and so and he is so brilliant and so funny and um, he just has like this really like wicked mind and the most like unassuming <laughs> like body too. It's because he's just this like really sweet, another like all American boy, like 
skinny guy with glasses who's so so smart and then he comes up with like the craziest funniest things in his writing and so when he uh, um, approached me about collaborating on it I was like yeah let's do this and so so another friend of mine from undergrad who is um in Chicago um had mentioned about this this contest that was happening and so they um there's this like this new financing company called um chicago media angels digital studios and they were opening up a, a contest and then would submit their web series to be uh fully financed and produced and the caveat is that it had to be in chicago using chicago talent in mm. order to capitalize on the 30 percent tax incentive that mm. had been initiated in illinois Interesting. So we quickly rewrote the script to be set in Illinois, <laughs> which is great though because that, like, for me, it was always Fleabag set in Norman Rockwell's America. You yeah. Know? Mm-hmm. Like, take this really caustic character and put it in this, like, the completely like most opposite place. And I love Norman Rockwell mm-hmm. because of that, like, just Americana and 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 like the, the wholesomeness of it. Yeah. And I love John Hughes movies, mm-hmm. and I grew up on them. And this was actually shot in the North Shore suburbs where John Hughes shot all of his movies. Really? Yeah. So we shot in like Glencoe, which is where, you know, Breakfast Club and Sixteen Candles and and I think Mean Girls was shot there. So it had that look. So it really just worked. And it turns out that Illinois is also one of those states where this law applies. So it really worked out. We did a lot of research about like, you know, the actual sex offender registry and laws and things that would put you on there. And my cookies were probably so full. Like Mm. I'm sure it was like flagged (laughs) by someone. It is research. It really is research. Like Yeah. So that was how, so that was how that came about. That's so cool. Mm. Isn't it amazing? I mean, obviously a setting is important to the story, but like while watching this, I was like, yeah, I mean, coming from Ohio, I was like, this is, this is the Midwest mm-hmm. and there's something very wholesome just about the Midwest. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I mean, oh yeah. If that, if that took place in California with palm trees, I think it would lose something. Totally. And so like, were you saying that that's where John Hughes? It's like, yeah, all of his films are in Chicago ish area. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Aren't they all? Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of ridiculous. Home Alone is yeah. There too. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. I also Plains, feel like Plains. I I see people peeing. Like I was just in Santa Monica and I saw three people like defecating. Oh, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so like your your story is like would be nothing in LA because like, you know, we see that on a daily basis where yeah. yeah, Chicago, you're not yeah. doing that. That's oh, I, I saw I saw a homeless person in Echo Park pull his pants down and take a shit <gasps> in the middle of the street. And I was so horrified that I like could not look away that I actually had to like take a photo of it because I, I couldn't <laughs> believe what I was seeing. It was the middle of is the that, day on a Sunday. Is that what the sequel's gonna be about? No. <laughs> Call like, stay tuned. Stay tuned. Oh so, my god. Like and subscribe. <laughs> okay, number I wanna two. I wanna hear about number two. Uh-huh. Get it, get it, get it. I forgot what I was going to ask now. I got, oh, oh, shit show moments. Okay, so I'm sure as a director and on set and all that kind of stuff, you've had some, literally, number two, some yeah. shit show moments. <laughs> uh, so tell us some of them. Well, there were plenty to choose from while we were shooting this because even though we did have like the good fortune of having it like fully financed mm-hmm. and, and produced it still was a pretty modest budget considering i mean th- i think we had like 100 people who were involved in like wow. cast crew extras like the whole nine yards um and we shot in six days the first week of november in chicago oh. it was so cold really <laughs> the day after we wrapped it was a blizzard and so you see me like the part of the that fall autumn aesthetic was really it was so crucial to me Mm -hmm. and also because 
you know, we're playing with an election in the show and Halloween as like this tent pole. So I wanted those kind of like autumnal colors yeah. and I wanted that like visual tableau throughout. And like you in tights, like I just love that oh, kind of like, yeah, 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 exactly. yeah, yeah. And like, you know, like all the, the hashtag like fall weather, sweater weather, like all yeah. the stuff and the colors mm. and, um, and it wasn't like that. It was, it, <laughs> it, it was one of those years in Chicago where it went from being summer to winter overnight and mm. there was no fall. Mm. So we were faking it. And so whenever you see us like cozied up and walking, like it's because I'm like clinging to my, <laughs> my, my co-actor because uh, I'm so cold, you know, in my little tights or, or the scene when, um, I don't want to give anything away. Yeah, but there's yeah. a scene when I am lying on the ground and I'm just, mm-hmm. you know, soaking wet <laughs> it's a red dot it's yeah. impossible yeah, like, not to give something away yeah, yeah, yeah i know yeah. i know like i'm completely like just drenched in this paint and that was several hours of me lying on the ground at night in little tights and a mini skirt and it was so cold that i physically couldn't bend my legs to oh, wow. stick to get up in between takes and they had a bucket of like boiling hot water for me to just put my hands in really wow. so that my body temperature could like get back up and i had heating pads hidden under all of my my whole wardrobe like my back and my chest oh and my, my armpits gosh. and my chest like i had these kind of like you crack them yeah and yeah. they're heating pads and they stick to you and I, so yeah. I, I was my under my wardrobe i had that and it was still that cold like we had to i think we cg eyed out <laughs> my breath through really? a lot of it really? oh, that's, that's so crazy yeah. and then the skinny dipping scene in lake michigan again it, we wanted to create this like really romantic moment of just like you know uh jumping in the water and and, and just the carpe dm of you know a new romance and it was like 30 degrees outside <laughs> it was so cool and this is also like our first day so this poor this Poor actor. I'm like, hi, nice to meet you. Take off your pants and go jump in that 30 degree water. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And this will be for all of you to, to see. And yes, exactly. Beyond. Yeah. I lived on the Jersey coast for a while. And when I saw that scene, I was like, oh, I've been to the, this looks cold to me. It really did look cold. Mm-hmm. I was like, I remember being in New Jersey, going to the beach and the, looking at the water being like, that will kill me if I go in there. Oh yeah. That's how cold it feels. That, that was a concern my producer have. And, and she and I have become like really, really close friends afterwards. But uh, like at one point she was trying to convince me to rewrite that scene to be maybe set in like a pool in someone's backyard and they hop mm. the fence. It's like, no, it has to be the lake. <laughs> Cause I also wanted to incorporate Chicago itself yeah. as a character. And I really wanted to like showcase these different elements of Chicago. Yeah. And she's like, Chloe, you don't understand. It's the water's so cool. People can die. It's like, stop being ridiculous. <laughs> Nobody's going to die. They have polar bear swims. Yeah. yeah. Come on. And then the reason we cut out so fast of that scene is because if we held one frame longer, we're both running out of the water. Really? really? Yeah. It's, it's cold. <laughs> it's cold. Chicago is fucking cold. They don't call it the windy city for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, You know, there's constantly stories out there about like, actors or directors whoever producers who are losing their shit right you seem like a very like down-to-earth person now maybe you're a complete and utter bitch on set <laughs> i don't know uh but like have you ever experienced that thing where you, you you looked at the moment and said like oh shit yeah people exist like this or have you been really lucky in this world because it feels like there's power hunger and like ego happening a lot in the the world of acting and and directing yeah and film festivals too. It yeah. seems like film festivals are, are scary to me. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've definitely experienced that. Um, and I think for me, it just really depends on the situation and, and, 
how I'm able to respond to it. Yeah. Because sometimes I just have to think like, does this matter and how is this really affecting me and what is my goal here? And my goal is yeah. to, to, to get the shot or to get to, to, you know, to, <laughs> Hello. To, to, to get what, what whatever it is that I'm like trying to do in that moment and I'm I'm somebody I have a really really good attitude and I'm pretty level-headed until I'm not mm. and then as soon as I'm not the gloves come off and like I'm a fire-breathing dragon really <laughs> but I like really try and hold it together publicly so that like yeah I've got that the, the smile plastered on and I'm like how are you I appreciate you thank you so much this is great and like make it all about the team 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 yeah and then like privately I'll just go and <laughs> like have a moment you know by myself um or like or I call my sister or my mom and mm. just like you know like scream at them on the phone and, and unleash. Yeah. That's but, so healthy though. That's very healthy yeah. to like pr- still process it, but like be in society. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I definitely have my like meltdown moments. So a lot of like what you see with Mackenzie, like, um, I, 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 I understand that we're just like those Michael Douglas falling down, you know, yeah. kind of moments. Yeah. Um, and when I was younger, I didn't always have my emotions as in check as I do now, but I've just done a lot of work on myself to kind of like get there and know that like you can have those moments, but it's better if they're in private. Yeah. A friend of mine told me one time when I I was getting like really, really annoyed by it and taking it kind of personally. Um, and my friend told me, she was like, well, it's not the, the, like the people that disappoint you. It's your expectations of them that do. Mm -hmm. And, and so I just now try and always like kind of check whatever my expectations are mm-hmm. and not take and just expect every male person in the industry trying to fuck you <laughs> gotcha yeah oh that's yeah you that's could, another you thing you can too. definitely expect that right yeah do you have you had moments where oh, people don't I, take you? i had on all american really there yeah actually actually um a background at well he wasn't totally background he was like a featured extra hmm. who i'm not gonna name names um but his his if he was in a sex addict group that's even going to be better no, he's, not, he's not in the sex addict group. okay okay but he's uh outside of the sex addict group um he was a featured extra and he's an older gentleman and at the end of the of the rap we were like running from one scene to the next and i had to like get out of there and i mean this is our, our last day that we were shooting and and this this one scene that he's in it's it's a pretty like significant scene and getting out of there to get to the next shot, which is an exterior and we were dealing with light and stuff. Um, he and a few of the other like background, uh, feature background players, they asked if like they could take a photo with me afterward. And I was like, yeah, sure. No problem. And it was like three men. And so I took a photo with them and they're all like, oh, thank you so much. This was such a wonderful experience and you were great and blah, blah, blah. And you know, the normal mm-hmm. like farewells. Yeah. yeah. And in my mind, I'm like, I gotta go, I gotta go. But I'm, you know, I, I'm, playing nice and I you know take the photo and I give all of them like a hug and this one guy um he reaches his hand under the jacket of my costume and he grabs my ass and I'm not talking like a little like pat I'm talking a full hand cup grab my ass and I walked away and normal like you would think that in that moment you're gonna be like you motherfucker don't yeah. you touch me and slapping like and I go into Mackenzie mode and I actually went into kind of the opposite I sort of like like froze for a second and I turned away and I had this moment of like did that just happen I did that just happen and I like looked at him and he had this look like like, like it, it was just I'll never forget because it was this moment of like this this power play like huh. yeah you might have been like this in the scene 
And if I say like what it was in the scene, it will give it away. Um, but I got you here. Oh my God, that's and evil. It, it that was, really it, is. It was like really maniacal. And yeah. then I like turned around and, and my producer was there and she saw it and her eyes were bugging out of her head. But we both were in this moment of like, if we cause a scene, right. we can't cause a scene because there's crew and everyone's moving around. There were so many moving parts and yeah. we were transitioning between one scene and the next. We were also in a... In a, uh, in a space that has other businesses that were actually working at yeah. the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had like the most finite amount of, of hours to get the final shot that was an exterior. And so we just had to go. And it was this thing where she was like, did that just happen? I was like, yeah, that just happened. And wow. Yeah. It's almost hard to believe like that stuff like that still does happen. At the it's so apparent of me that. Too. Yeah. It was yeah. literally like the height of the Me Too conversation. I was like, hey, asshole, like, are you not hearing the conversation that's happening right yeah. now? Yeah. And it did feel a little bit of like, you know, because it, it was my my project is my my shoot. Like yeah. I I am you know the writer director creator like and the actor in this show, mm-hmm. but it was almost his way of like trying to take my power away oh. from me. That is so. I just don't see the end game in that. I just don't see it. Like, what? What does he think you're gonna do? Is he think you're gonna look at him and go, you know what? I'm down. Let's do this. Oh like, yeah. Like, and then if you're gonna be like, no, the opposite would be like, that's the most insulting thing ever, right? So where's the win? Well, it There's... wasn't a sexual thing at all. It was a power play. Jeez. And this was someone we reported it to the um to the casting director. Yeah. Like the background Let's casting ruin director. his career. Yeah, for real. <laughs> yeah, though. honestly, like, people should know. Like, yeah. That yeah. female directors are um like not safe around this person. Yeah. And there was like nothing we could do. I was like, well, you know, there was there was no other way to report it. It was like, okay, well, well noted, and you know, I'm take that seriously. And that was like the last I ever heard of it. <laughs> so then I, of course, because like my friend always tells me, I have a, a friend. She goes, keep it petty, not prison. Keep it petty, not prison. <laughs> so then when we were doing up the the credits, I was like, well, we should put him in as like Grabby Gary. <gasps> oh, I love his it. Name. And the producer said, no, we couldn't. Really? Yeah, oh, yeah, I would yeah, love yeah. that. I was just like. Mm, but well, no, I'm obsessive. I was gonna say we are, but I'm petty. So if you want me, if you tell me afterwards, I will. Like I've been blocked from all of both girlfriends, so oh. like his ex girlfriends. Well, so. so then I'm not on Facebook, but then immediately, like the casting director is like, um, well, not the we. The head casting director, he was part of like background casting director, but the head casting director, when I told her, she of course like looks him up on Facebook, and right there in in his bio, it's like Christian husband oh. the whole oh, the whole yeah. like it's always oh. yeah yeah like, boy toucher mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. womanizer it's like everything yeah but that was also part of like what this show is about is the irony of like you know here she is being called the sex offender and and having to do all these things and and being subjected to this sense of otherism mm-hmm. and yet you have like creeps like this who are yeah. just walking around yep. yeah assaulting people left and right with no accountability and I that's think, kind yeah. of like what the the, the show is trying to point out is like this hypocrisy that exists in this like conversation. Mm. Yep. And yeah, and that's almost like it's built so within our structure that it wouldn't take like one or two instances. We have to change the whole thing almost. Totally. Hmm. Burn them all down. Burn them all down. Something that, and then I promise we'll come to the end, but something I was thinking about and reflecting upon lately. Oh, wow. I know this is another. Meryl's going through this thing where she's starting to reflect. (laughs) 
on on her choices. Once the world opens fully back up, I will never yeah, reflect again. But we're, like we're, we're now working I'm on thinking. It. But something that I have been thinking about that I've been trying to be better at is like you know we always think about these big social justice issues, but I feel like looking around your smaller circle and your like little community and then thinking okay and maybe I'm more um, I think like this because we do have so much you know listen to our podcast go check out my merch line you know all that kind of stuff and I think about how like am I really looking at like the eight people around me and am I liking the the work that they're doing or acknowledging like hey this person's trying to put out a movie this person's trying to put out like I think that people underestimate how little something is like going to it's free just liking someone's Mm -hmm. thing on Amazon or you know writing a review on podcast on a podcast site that that goes such a big way and I feel like do you feel did you feel like in your life sometimes I feel like our close friends are the ones that kind of don't care the most about what we're doing and it's like the outside (laughs) world are you talking about me no 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 because you're like this too where it's like we constantly have events and things we're promoting and I'm trying to be better about like okay my 12 close friends am I like really deeply supporting what they're trying to do as well yeah and it could be free you know I think I realized that when I was like 22 and I, I did this triathlon and I was like raising money for for cancer it was like all these people came out of the woodwork and donated money people who like I hadn't talked to in years like my dentist did and then it was like my circle of like five friends didn't give me a penny and I said wait what like, yeah. I see you guys every day and I'm like yeah but we see you every day yeah. like yeah. and so and, and and that was just the first time when I, I definitely felt yeah. that but I always like I love supporting my friends and so I'm the one who like because I, I, I know what it's like to be on the other side right and so no matter what I go to like every event every like bad basement theater you know yeah. like I, I will throw the likes I'll just fucking throw all the likes yeah. out in all the world and the social media is like I'll subscribe to everything I'll go and like <laughs> throw a bunch of comments like just because I know I know those little things it seems like stupid or insignificant it's like oh it's a like on social media but I know that when somebody is invested so much of like their time and their heart and their soul and passion into something it really does go far it does and we give so much attention to like all the tom cruises and the big people yeah. when we have so, like littler people right here that totally. need that i think that's so i mean we we got a really nice message from one of our friends and i felt like that me- about the podcast and i feel like that message then like gave us the energy for like three or four weeks to continue on when normally yeah. people stop this kind of stuff all the time because yeah. you're like doubting yourself and well other people doubt themselves yeah i just want <laughs> fried chicken <laughs> not, or a cheeseburger not grilled but that's something it's a little exercise that i invite everyone to do i, I think she's talking to me because i never <laughs> no, like anything not at all no 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 you're you're very supportive and good and and i'm not really I, I don't i don't feel really bitter about this really in my life per se i was more just thinking exactly how you were saying where it's like everyone can support each other's projects yeah. and we can almost start on like a little micro level. I feel like that's more important than giving, than caring about all these like huge blockbuster things, yeah. you know? Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. Hmm. Huh. That was me reflecting. <laughs> that's the ne- tune in for the next six months. So I, w- I won't have a deep thought. <laughs> and I love how like my deep thoughts are just like other people's like intermediate thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh my gosh wait really quickly yes. before yes. we leave i want to do a quick bug bite oh. with you because we already okay. got into some of your uh the things like, that you crazy. hate yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. i want to do like a film uh, do you uh oh okay about, it's film themed yeah okay hold or on a second it can be anything themes but maybe something in like the film directorial writing bug bite yuck bug bite um for in any in any kind of like work doesn't matter if it's writing directing real life laziness Mm. i have no tolerance for laziness and i know it's because i show up and i'm gonna give 200 Mm percent 
and I expect people to, and I have super high standards. So I'm like, just at least meet me at a hundred, you know, do your best. It doesn't have to be perfect, but just like show up and do the best that you can do with mm. a good attitude and anything beyond that. It's like, I, my threshold for, for the excuses and the bullshit is like, it's fucking gone. Yeah. So that's something I have like no tolerance for. Oh, I love that. And then, um, the second one would be like, on craft services when people don't remove the sealed plastic <laughs> protective layer on like the dips all the way and they let it like hang and it gets like oh, mixed in <laughs> like with the belly ranch or fucking something. get out of here with which that. really just lays into the the lazy thing right like right you finish you your cannot, job yeah, you, you can't remove it all the way you're so busy that you can't <laughs> fully remove the plastic protective layer i'm totally and it goes into the food thing too because i'm totally picturing oh, it yes. dipping in the broccoli honestly and it's like all like the ugh, why yeah, is that 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 like uh it that that layer that has the dip like it has stuff on it right as soon as you take it off though it's the most disgusting thing it's, on planet. Yeah. it's just floppy plastic <laughs> like with the wet. dip on it. but like on it you're like thank god you're there for oh, keeping totally. my food clean and then you you tear it off you're like ew gross throw it away <laughs> yeah, it it's like, like a band-aid the, or yeah, something yeah oh, it's so yeah, yeah. gross oh it's now so i feel gross. bad too oh man meryl now i'm upset <laughs> Um, okay, I, I know mine. I don't know why, but brother writing duos drive me crazy. Like the, like, <laughs> like the Safdie brothers or, every or the Cohen brothers? I hate them. What? The Farley brothers hate come, them. Oh, come on. Yeah. No, we were watching, I think, is Fever Pitch a Farley brother one? Oh. I don't know. There was something oh, where, there was know. some duo where like we were watching it and my boyfriend <laughs> said, oh, that's a very Farley brother thing to like have the guy brushing the dog's teeth. And I'm like, it's stupid. Like, oh. I don't know why, but brother, <laughs> brother writing when duos. When I was in film school, people kept talking about these like Dardan brothers and mm. like art house people and I'm like I don't know who that is but like I love the Farley brothers really I don't know why brothers drive me and, they, and whenever I see their like press junkets them just sitting together as brothers I'm like mm. ew <laughs> I don't have anything weird like that. Uh, not that it's weird. I'm sorry. Uh, that is very weird. That is kind of weird. Thank you because for supporting the, me. But, oh the, but the Coen brothers are amazing. Oh, brilliant. I love They're just them. so good. Um, although I've got some changes to Blood Simple, but that's okay. Um, I would say th- there's something I've been noticing a lot in films lately, like especially Blockbuster, and it's just sloppy writing. And I, I kind of, I know that's very nerdy for me to say that's my bug bite, but mm-hmm. like watching a Blockbuster that is supposed to be like the biggest thing and then being like, wait, that that doesn't make sense. How did this get through so many channels of people from the initial script or writing mm-hmm. to the end where they're actually filming it? How did this, this doesn't make sense. You, so like what would one be that you were just thinking? Okay, I'm going to tell you something nerdy that <laughs> I've watched and, and I only watched it almost, I thought it was going to be a drinking game, but I watched the Justice League like Snyder Cut because there's so much like hype about it. Yeah, it's the four hour one, right? And and it's a lot of hype. It's a big hype thing, Mm -hmm. right? And the original movie was garbage. It just was. I'm I'm total comic book nerd and I admit that. But watching this four hour thing, there were moments where I was like, how did we get to this scene now? Because this doesn't make sense. They didn't tell us anything. Uh, it just it just was like choppy editing. But mm-hmm. I don't I don't think it's the editing. I think it's poor. Like, and even if it was editing, how did it get past the director? And how did it get past the producers? And how did people yeah. watch this film twenty times and not go, "Hey, does that make sense?" It's like there's so many. You said you had a hundred people on your set. Mm-hmm. How can you get a bad idea all the way through? Now, I'm not asking you because I'm not saying you have bad ideas. I'm just saying like, <laughs> how can like you know, if something doesn't make sense, are people just too close to the project and no one's willing to say like, hey, you didn't say that this is five years later. You never said that. 
And so like nobody knows that. But I do believe, I mean, we've said this so many times, but like I believe like honesty over kindness always. That's yeah. the motto. But like, yeah, that can be hard in certain situations to be truly honest sure. to somebody. Have you ever had to be or has anyone had to be with you and you remember that? <laughs> you're like <laughs> you're like is audio like writing <laughs> um yeah of course of yeah. course i i've i've definitely been given some like hard doses of reality like towards me and is there a heart i'm gonna i don't want to have to get you in too deep here yeah. uh, but is there a critique that you got that was the best advice ever have you ever had one of those oh yeah i i would definitely say um, I don't, I don't know if it came as a critique, but it came as like early in my career. Um, I was feeling sort of down. I felt like all of my friends were moving so fast mm. and I wasn't there. And, and I was just feeling like, what am I not doing? What's wrong with me? And like, what can I do better? And, um, and then I was starting to get like envious of, of my friends and people who I love. And on the one hand, I was, I was so sincerely excited and yeah. proud of them and I'm so happy for them but then I couldn't help but feel like what about me and really lost and and I had um I had someone tell me like you rise with your friends mm -hmm. mm. so it might not be today it might not be tomorrow but like you do rise with your community absolutely and so it's always good to just continue being that champion continue being that supporter because sure. when it's your turn like that that will come back to you yeah and and those are the type of people you're surrounding yourself with and so it just really shifted my perspective um and now i take that like wholeheartedly yeah. and so kind of going back to what you said like earlier about whether it's throwing the like mm -hmm. or, or just showing up to someone's you know exhibit or, or or film screening or giving notes or no matter what it is i really always try and just kind of show up and be supportive that's good. And then the other, like, same, uh, kind of works in tandem, this other piece of advice I got when I was working as an assistant for, for a producer, like, right out of college. And I was having a day where it was, like, after the office had closed and there was another assistant working there. And we were sort of having a heart-to-heart. -heart, and it was just like, I oh, God, I feel, like, so sort of worthless at what I'm doing. I'm, like, you know, running coffee and getting mail. And I feel like I can offer so much more. And, and this just feels stupid. And... Mm -hmm. And he said, you know what, though, like we're all part of a machine. And in order for for a boss to like get his work done, like he needs to have that coffee just sort of injected. And so you're helping him so that he doesn't have to take the time to go like make his coffee so that he can be on the phone making these deals happen so that we can be like making these really cool movies and being a part of the whole process. Yeah. And I was like 20, 22, I think when, when I heard that and that has been so ingrained in my head. And so I've taken every job. I think that's why I like take everything I do really seriously is because I know that like this is all serving the larger purpose. And yeah. so then when it's, when it's like on my set and, and when I'm that person who's sort of making the positions, I try and be really aware of what everyone's doing. And so like on all American, for example, it doesn't matter if it's like an intern who was there for just like three hours showing up or if it was like a PA or someone, I always just really tried to recognize what they were doing and, and just say, Hey, I see what you're doing. Thank you. You and know, also, don't uh, grab my ass. Yeah. 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 And it was yeah. supposed to be almond milk <laughs> in my coffee. That guy can go fuck himself. <laughs> Grabby Gary, if you're listening, I'm going to come after you. I'm going to find out who you are from Chloe. And then I'm going to be like insidious and just like yes. little things here and there for the next decade. I have the time. And just so you energy. know, if you ever order fried chicken, you're going to get grilled. 
for the exactly. rest of your life. This is where I think insanity helps because I like really, <laughs> I really could truly like I mean I'm not gonna say I'm gonna drown him in the lake, but I, I'm not not saying you need to take yes. a lesson from her is like don't put it in right. You're like, I will come and I will kill you. Yeah, I really could. And then you'll be in court like, I didn't say that and they'll play yeah. the tape. Yeah. It's like, well actually, actually. It was suggested. Um you're awesome. Oh, thank, thank you. you so much this for sharing. So fun. This was really yeah, fun. Yeah, thanks so for fun. sharing all your knowledge. And uh, it's really exciting to meet someone who's so down to earth and uh, creative. And man, we I just wish you the best of luck thank on you. every project you work on. Yes. And where so can everyone except for Grabby Gary find <laughs> all your work? Check out All American Sex Offender. Check out are the other, um, the other things that you mentioned. Are they where can we find those? You can, too? All, um, if, you can find all my work on my website. Okay. It's, um, either chloelenahan.com or sevensirens.com s-e-v-e-n-s-i-r-e-n-s.com so i have links to all of my films and all my work there um i'm on instagram and twitter chloe Linehan. okay so, cool and we, can yeah. you tell us when the next season might be out or any sneak peekies um those are all sort of like conversations that okay. are happening okay. um but there's no definitive answer to that yet hmm. i take that as a few months from now <laughs> 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 you're telling me there's a chance okay i, I will definitely let you know though okay. you're awesome yay well thank thanks you thanks for being here thank you. thanks for having me awesome Chloe, Chloe, that was Chloe, so much fun. Chloe, you're the best that we ever did talk to. Yes, something that I was worried about was there was a macaw in the house that she had warned us about. Yeah, and I she thought did it was warn us about a macaw, which yeah. is never good for audio, right? You don't right. want you don't want to hear somebody go like, "I would love to do your podcast." One caveat is that I have a macaw, <laughs> and it does and seem squeals. to squawk and squeal throughout the day, right? And I was like, hmm, that could be a problem. Yeah. You, you want to be like, no problem. But yeah. like a macaw <laughs> could be a problem. We've had weirder things. Yeah. But, but I think but, that's. But that macaw was no, like. It was McQuiet. McQuiet. <laughs> <laughs> well, Chloe's a McCutie. Oh, she's great. Yeah, she's, she's super great. cool. I I love women that are like go getters and you don't like, like men who are go getters. Um, let's see. Hmm. Let me, I'm trying wow. to think if I know any. I would say that that's the definition of a sexist. But whatever. I do love Chloe, and I love that she's a go getter. But yeah. it doesn't matter that she's a woman. She's okay? a clo getter. To me, she's she's a clo getter. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, she's great, and I can't even imagine what she's about to be doing in her life. Like, I know. She's really. Uh, just seems so powerful and energetic and creative. And honestly, when we stopped recording, I really felt like she was like, oh, we should hang out again. And I was like, yes. you mean that? Yeah. I could feel that she meant it. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I hope she does. And we met the macaw. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's that's scary in its own right. Yeah, that's a step. Um, But I was happy that I did. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I, I honestly want to hang out with Chloe again. Me I too. hope I see her again. I hope she becomes like crazy, one crazy. Yeah, one of our good friends. I think she will. I kind of did write down some ideas for me and her to do oh. in Burbank. And you're invited what? to come up anytime you want. What do you, what do you mean? What, There's what this one mean? really good like, restaurant called Castaway that I love in Burbank. And I wanted to know if Castaway. Chloe wanted to go with me. Yeah. But you didn't. I'm going to give it like three weeks and then ask her. Again, even though this Are is her podcast episode, too, you're welcome to come up anytime. You're welcome to move up What do you mean you're there? welcome to come up? That means like, like I'm not going to invite you, but you're welcome to show up if I ac- if you accidentally do. You're welcome. Hmm. You're welcome. <laughs> you're welcome. Okay, we'll check out All Things Chloe and All American Sex Offender 
Nah, I'm not you made that really normal. <laughs> um, thanks to Chloe. Thanks to all you guys. We appreciate you. And until next time. Bye. I, bye. Uh, okay. Okay. Great. Grandpa. That's what the macaw says. He did. Yeah. The, it says macaw. Oh. It, it said grandpa because the the grandpa owned the macaw, and then um. it says like it says grandpa help. And then it laughs. And, laughs. And, and, it laughs. and Chloe said that someone had to call 911 because they just heard someone saying, like, Grandpa, help! Grandpa, help! Ah. <laughs> <laughs> and they had to call the police. Oh, man, that's a good story in itself. It is. Right? Grandpa, yeah. help! Ha ha ha. <laughs> that's a good name of a podcast or a book. Grandpa, help! Ha ha ha. <laughs> we'll see you guys next time. Bye. <laughs> this episode of Campfire Shit Show was produced by Bo Hufford and Meryl Climo. It was edited by Bo Hufford, and the theme song was composed and sang by your friendly camp director, me, PB and J. If you've got a question or you want to be the next camper of the week, email us at campfireshitshow at gmail.com. Say hi to Bo and Merrill on Instagram at campfireshitshow, and please don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. Well, kids, it's time to pack up the camp and put out the fire. But don't you worry. We'll see you soon on another episode of the Campfire Shit Show. Sleep tight.